Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I don't think move on is realistic, when, especially when you're talking about something that is so close to your heart and such a big part of your identity and your purpose. Like decades of sport. Exactly. Like I'm never moving on from my experiences in football. That is never, ever, ever happening. Like those are rooted deep in my heart, in my gut, in my fabric, how I'm wired, how I'm made. But I move forward with those lessons, with maybe those heartbreaks, with those shortcomings, with the great times, the high school memories, the best friends, all that stuff. You move forward with those lessons and you keep stacking, stacking those experiences. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to Real Pod, everybody. How's it going? I am excited for today's conversation. The theme for this episode just came on a whim one night. I will save that story for the episode because I will explain it in like five minutes. But basically, I just had this moment and I thought, wow, this is such an interesting thing. You know, moving on from sports, something we spent so many years of our life doing. How do we move on? How do we handle these emotions? And I just wanted to have a conversation about that. And, you know, I don't know all the answers. Max doesn't know all the answers. That's my, I guess we can call him my guest, but maybe more like my co-host today. My boyfriend, Max Brown, is back on the podcast. He's been on a few times, actually. You can listen to his whole football story. It's called the Max Brown interview. And he is here today to just have this conversation with me. Max has great thoughts, opinions, perspective. He's had such a different experience than me as well. So I thought that those things together would make for a good conversation. And we're going to dive into a lot today. You know, how do I transfer passion from my sport to passion for a career? How do I stay motivated when I don't have a coach or a teammate or a game to look to? How do I deal with the changes in my body and my appetite after sport? Max and I are going to dive into all of those questions and more today. So, I mean, let's just get right into it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this show. And let's get right to it. Okay, Max. We're back. (laughs) Here we are. I was just telling Max before I pressed record that 
we are doing this once because only one time. Every time I've had Max on the podcast, we've recorded an episode. I've had to trash it and then do it again because I like hated the way I sounded or something. Because when I talk with you, I sound like a valley girl. Yeah. We always wanted the episode to be perfect. But I think that's the beauty of this topic is it's so much to unpack, unpack that we like know it's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, we'll just roll with it and see how this goes out. I'm excited. And it's going to be definitely more question and answer type vibes but knowing you and I I think these questions that all of you guys submitted on my Instagram thank you for submitting super powerful questions. So what was the context with this? The reason I had the idea for this is because I was picking up Wingstop on my way to your apartment last week. So fire. And I was looked at the TV and I saw a Kentucky volleyball game and I saw this girl go back to serve who I used to play against and I had this weird like out of body experience of wow I used to be in that game playing against that girl. And now I'm in a wing stop in my pajamas at 830 at night getting wings for my boyfriend. And I don't play sports anymore. And that's funny. <laughs> that's the same week that I sit with my family and you watching Sunday night football. And my backup four years ago is making his first start for America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Ben DiNucci, good dude, no bad blood, but a similar right. kind of like, wow, that hits you right in the face of. That either Things was you according to plan. That was you or that could have been you yeah, for both yeah. of us. And I also think the interesting thing here is we post two perspectives, right? On the one hand, there's me who I think is more closely related to the majority of athletes who just like time expires. You play four years, your eligibility is up and that's it for you. You don't really have a choice. Whereas for you, you had those professional hopes and dreams and yeah. had more of a decision in your career ending. Yeah. So for those of you that listened to our last podcast, this was kind of the, the part of my story we we did not talk about was the the post pit post 2017. Like how did this how did this thing end? What was like we, we didn't talk about that. And I guess, yeah, to give a little more context. So we talked about my shoulder injury. And so I um, played in the first, what was it, five or six games at Pitt. I say played and not started because the hard truth is that I got benched for a half in there. So one of the games I didn't start, but Played all the rest, was ACC player of the week. And then the very next week, I ripped up my shoulder. And basically for the next 15 months, I rehabbed my shoulder. And originally, I thought it was just going to be a a four-month rehab. I was naive to that. There was no shot that was ever happening. But I had a doctor be like, oh, you'll be be thrown in four months. And then in my head, I'm like, all right, so I'll be thrown in four. I'll be back in five. I remember that day so vividly. I was at Arizona State and I remember coming out of my phone to the text message and then I went straight to my athletic trainer and was like, what do you think happened to Max and what's the timeline? And in reality, the doctors always have my best interest, but that was never going to happen. And I wish they would have said, Max, you're you're grinding for a year at, at least and whatever you deal with it. And long story short, I was moving around, training for, uh, I, I trained for uh, like pro days and whatnot. I did a pro day at, at Pitt. I ended up getting invited to five or six different NFL mini camps but I could not participate because of where my arm was at. So like I threw at a pro day, but it was really, I was well below average. My goal with throwing at that time at that pro day in the spring of 2018 was to show NFL teams, hey, I'm healthy. Hey, I can at least throw a football. Just give me time and I'll be back. That was my thought process. In reality, that was cute and everything, but they were never going to like sign me off of just, hey, he's getting healthy. Like that Mm -hmm. was never going to happen with where I was at. So that was basically in March uh, after my injury. I got hurt in October. That pro day was in March. I moved back home. Vic and I continued our long distance. I was up in Seattle and I would rehab, 
my sister-in-law is a physical therapist. So that was just part of my daily, daily, weekly routine is trying to get back, trying to get my shoulder back to 100%. So then I could make a run at it to make a long story short, moved back down to Los Angeles in the fall to train and throw. felt like it was a better workout scenario, kind of set myself up for what life had in store for me next. And then I'll never forget. It was basically like December of six, December 16th or December 17th of that year. So that 15th month, month mark after my injury, uh, I got a call from the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vic and I were, were driving and they uh, invited me for a, a tryout. And at that point, I kind of said, and I, I, don't, I won't get too in the weeds and, and NFL fans will, will, will recognize the timing, but I kind of felt like that December mark, it was either now or never for my football career. That's the, the blessing and the curse of football is you either kind of make it right out of school or you don't. It's not like golf or baseball where you can make it eight years later. And that's a blessing because but it happens quick. But some people in football can make it two, three years later. You can count them on your hands. Or oh, two, three years later, sure. But four, five, six, like very, very rarely. Long story short, I got to a point where I was like, it just feels like now or never. And it's never going to be a perfect science. Everyone's going to be different. But in my gut, it was like I had done everything rehab-wise to put myself in a position to play. And I am what I am. Let's go find out. And the reality is where I was at that point wasn't good enough. Things didn't work out for the, with the Steelers and the Redskins. And that tryout was December 23rd, 2018. And I ultimately hung up the cleats late January was when I finally kind of digested everything, digested where I was at and said, it's time to move on. Yeah, but how did you get to that decision? This is your whole life of football. Now you, you've you rehabbed an entire year and you go to a two tryouts. You feel like you're just not right there, but it's not the same. Like It's a big decision to say what you eventually did was I'm done with football. You moved to New York and started working on a content team for Gary Vee. Yeah, and Vic and I always talk about this behind the scenes, but to me, it didn't feel like a decision. It did not feel like all right, I'm sitting down and I'm deciding to do this today. It just felt inside like that decision was made for me. It felt like, and I can't really explain that, but if you've, if you've been in that sort of life phase, I think you can, you can level with where I'm at. And we all have experiences like that where, whether you're deciding to go to the school or whatever, but it it just felt like that's what life had in store for me. And it was time. And I remember calling my dad a very emotional phone call. It's hard, right? You're telling him, Hey, I, in, in reality, I, I, I didn't get it done. I'm, 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 I'm moving on from football. And as you could probably imagine, people push back on that statement all the time. But something I remember you told me was like, this was years of you thinking it was going to end. Yeah. So it wasn't like you had this one day decision where you were like, today is over and I'm comp-. like, actually some athletes are on the field, career ending injury or like never can walk crazy stories and it's done. Whereas you had like a few years of this is not going my way. Yeah. And I remember you kind of saying, actually, I had Haley Hotson on the podcast who had a great analogy of, she said she felt like she was hanging on to the end of this rope and she was trying so hard not to let go. And eventually she let go and she hit the ground and she was standing. And you're standing. Yeah, you know, exactly. And you mentioned a few years. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. I don't mean to be ungrateful of my scenario at USC, but it really was like six years. I never had athletic success leaving high school. I had a game of success at Pitt, but it's really from my true freshman year in 2013 to when I ultimately hung him up in 2018. I never had sustained success at any point in there. And that's me working my ass off all the time. That's me priding myself on what I'm bringing day in and day out. And things just didn't work out. And so it it didn't feel like, oh, I had one bad off season or, oh, I had one injury. And 
I'm sensitive to people because it nets out differently with everyone. But to me, it felt like this was a six-year battle that I kept responding and kept coming back and kept coming back and all that stuff. And those are the traits and the skills that I carry with me today. But it didn't feel like, oh, this is just a tough 15-month stretch. No, this had been going on for a while. And it felt like, and I use this, I use this analogy in our last podcast, it just felt like I had turned over every single rock and there was just no other rock to turn over and it was time to move forward. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to have that background just going into this episode as we answer these questions because both of our sports experiences were different. And I think yeah. both of us finding our identity and our purpose after sport was different. I never had professional hopes or dreams, never a thing I wanted to do. So different than you. I was like gearing up for adult life and excited for that. And you were like, I've never had an internship. I can't believe I'm going to work a job. Yeah. I think that's a good qualifier. Like I can only speak to how I am wired in my experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good point for everyone listening is everyone's going to be different. Every sport is different. Team sport, solo sport, what your expectations are, where your mindset is, how in love you are with the sport. So I think it's important to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. And we're hoping that we can share some things today that could help you in your individual journey. But like Max said, we're only speaking from our hearts and our sports experience. This is a good turning point to our first question. And so you guys, the way this episode is going to flow is I'm going to read off the questions that you all submitted. Max and I are going to get into some discussion and kind of share what we think. The first question we're going to dive into, which I think is a great starter, is how did you find your identity after sport? This is heavy, this but, is I, tough. but we, yeah, yeah. I can go first if you want. Yeah, let me play off you. <laughs> so in terms of identity after sport, I definitely struggled because I felt like while I didn't grow up super tied to this idea that I was a volleyball player, I definitely felt even more tied to that at USC, especially building my platform. I became the USC volleyball player, talks about mental health. USC volleyball player does blah, 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 blah. That was like my label. And a lot of people knew me as that and followed me because of that. So when volleyball ended, I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, what if people don't like me anymore because I'm not a USC volleyball player? Like that part of me is gone. Who am I? And it was interesting because it was so- Was that like a serious thought? Like people will actually not like me? Because when I hear you say that, that's like crazy to me. It's serious in terms of when I say people, I mean my YouTube subscribers, people who yeah. follow me on oh, Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking social media wise, I'd built this platform and that's what they wanted from me and I wouldn't be able to give it to them. So then I would be useless to them or I wouldn't be of value to them. So that's what I mean. I don't mean like my friends yeah. and family. So that was definitely a big thing I did struggle with. And then I slowly started to realize that there was so much I could become in this world that was more than a USC volleyball player. Not that that wasn't amazing, but there was more room for me to grow. And I think the biggest thing I want to give to this answer and this takeaway is that all of the things that we develop and the skills we learn as athletes, so time management, leadership, our ability to communicate with others, to take direction, to be coachable, to be clutch in tough moments, all of those qualities I had as a volleyball player are still a part of me. I'm still going to be able to be all those things as a podcaster, as a YouTuber, as a content creator, I don't lose that. And so I think a lot of athletes get so scared because they think like everything that they are is going to be going away. But the truth is, no, you're maybe not on the team anymore. You're not showing up to practice, but you still have all the incredible skills that allowed you to be an athlete. We can stop the podcast right there. And I feel like that's the <laughs> thesis of the episode. We're going to, I'm going to say it in three or four different ways. I think you're going to say it in three different, four, three or four different ways. That to me is the biggest thing right there is all those skills, lessons, experiences, pitfalls, triumphs, like all those experiences you have, you're going to carry with you 
after sport? And I think how, what was, how was the question worded? It was, how did you find your identity after sport? Yeah. I think for me where I net out with that one is I think I always made a conscious effort while I was in it to not have my identity be football. And I think that helped. And that's not to say I didn't work hard or anything, but I always was worried if I didn't want to be Max the jock because it got such a bad, like that has a negative connotation so much. And I think throughout my life, I always wanted to make sure like that wasn't me. And once again, that's not to say I wasn't a diehard quarterback and I wasn't doing film study and I wasn't working hard and all that. But I think when I was in it, I was so worried that like, I was very logical, right? Like that is going to end. We all know that we don't incorporate in our but lives. Were you but... always logical? I mean, in, when you were 16, you're obviously a very humble down to earth guy, but when you were 16, everyone looked at you and you were Max Brown, the skyline quarterback. Like it had to be your identity when you were young. Yeah. Good point. And I guess that's where it's a good kind of like way to stop me because don't get me wrong. Like I was Max Brown, the quarterback at SC and at, at Skyline. Wouldn't you argue that you had to shift your identity once you got to USC and you were not the star quarterback? Like that's when I think you mentioned you went to see a psychologist and you were actually, you read Man's Search for Meaning, that book. I yeah. mean, I would say your first years at USC, from what you've told me in our relationship, yeah, yeah. Um, that, you know, you you did have that identity shock, but you found it still while playing the game. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Maybe I'm giving myself to, uh, too, much, too much credit. I struggle with this answer then. I think because when you bring up all those experiences, like those are some of the darkest times in my life. Like that's tough. And I, I don't think I have the exact blueprint for it's like, hey, do A, B, C, D. I think all the while at all those points, right? I can remember listening to Man's Search to Meaning after I got benched by myself on the third row of the Greyhound bus heading to the hotel in Manhattan Beach before a game. Like that, As you say that, that memory is in my head. That's a dark time in my life. But I think I always tried to keep that North Star of like, like you said, I knew it was more than Max Brown, the quarterback. I always knew that was a thing. Even if it was, it hurt and it stung, like it's always keeping that North Star. And even when it's tested, because I think that's the, another moral of, of kind of or a story of this podcast is like, none of this is easy. It's, it's never going to be a step-by-step recipe to find your identity. Like that's never right. going to happen. But I think it was always when I was challenged and tested to never give in. It might, you might be sad and, and, and have moments of, of being depressed and whatnot. And those are dark times, but always knowing there's, there's, there, there's just, there's just more out there. And I think it's so healthy too. And something Dr. Michael Gervais once told me, I've also had him on this podcast. He's an incredible sports performance psychologist. If you guys want to check that episode out later, but he said, if your identity is tied to your sport, then your life is essentially at stake every time you step up to the plate, every yeah, at bat. Yeah. And, and I, it, sorry, you, you're going to jump. What? Yep. Yep. Finish it. I'm right. I'm right after you. <laughs> Max is looking at me like, I got a point. She's trying to say yeah. something. Okay. I'm going to take it nice and slow. Okay. Was I no, because that point right there, right? When you say that every athlete listening to this, we've heard that, right? Don't have your identity tied to your sport. Don't have your identity tied to your sport. I had heard that as a 16-year-old, as an 18-year-old, 20-year-old. I always knew that was a thing. I guess that was the point I was trying to make. I always knew that was a thing, but it's a different ball game when it actually happens to you and you're tested. Mm -hmm. And I think that's my point is when that test happened for me, it was always keeping the North Star the North Star and always knowing there was more out there for me and not ever giving into that because logically I knew that Michael Gervais statement. I knew, hey, don't have your identity tied up to your sport. Easier said than done. But I think it's important to kind of, yeah, listen to those mentors and those wise words along the way. 
Definitely. And also we have another question that says, is it normal to feel like you don't have a purpose after sport? And I gave Max this document of questions before the show and he had to write in his answers so I could get prepared. And he just writes in all caps. Yes. To is it normal to feel like you don't have a purpose anymore? Where is? Yes. 100%. You're talking to a dude. That's why I love doing this podcast now. Vic and I were with someone the other day and we're like, oh, Max is coming on the podcast. We're going to talk about purpose. And the person we were with was joking like, oh, do you know your purpose? Like kind of in all reality, kind of joking. Like, why are you talking about purpose? Like all that (laughs) stuff. The reality is like, that's the point. I don't know my purpose exactly. I'm finding that out. I'm 25. I'm post football. I'm, I'm a few years removed. And the answer is when you say, Max, what's your purpose? It's, I don't know. I'm still figuring that out. And I think it's totally, totally, totally normal to be lost post athletics. And that's why I think it's, it's cool to kind of shed light on this message. Yes. And it can be so overwhelming to feel like we need to have some big, big purpose. We need to be the next Oprah Winfrey. We need to change the world. That can be overwhelming. And sometimes I think people can think internally, well, I'm not that special. I'm not that cool. What's my purpose? Purpose, this is my opinion, doesn't have to be, you are the next world peace prize winner. I think you can create purpose in small amounts each day with the way you show up for your family members, with your best friends, with like you create so much purpose in my life. And so I think that's important too, is let's start small with baby steps and think of the little purpose we have each day and, and slow down because I also don't know my purpose. I feel incredible meaning and purpose in what I do every day. That's why I'm so grateful that my content is centered around things that I hope help people. But at the same time, I'd be lying if I said I went to bed at night, like I know my true calling. I mean, what I do changes every day. So for me, what's helped the anxiety and the feeling like I'm so small is creating little small moments where I'm purposeful for the people I love. I love that. I love that. Yeah, no, I myself struggle with the word purpose because to your point, like I don't have aspirations to be the, or I guess I shouldn't say that, like the idea of being the next Oprah, like that doesn't really account for me. I definitely have career goals, but that's kind of the point is my career goals growing up was to be the next Peyton Manning or, and, and win Super Bowls and all that. And I don't have those tangible goals as much. I, I can't sit here and say, oh, I want to make 72 buildings in the city of Los Angeles and do to do like that. That's not even like a, a thing for me and something I'm still trying to navigate. So I think whenever the word purpose comes out, I just think of at the end of the day, I realize how fortunate I am to have this one life. And at the end of the road, wherever that is for me at 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, I want to be able to look back at my life and say, I squeezed everything possible out of that life. And that's where always my heart goes when the, when, when the word kind of purpose comes out. And I know it's not like tangible, but that's always kind of where, yeah, just where my heart goes. And you have this message you always share with like, you don't have regrets because you did give it your all. But I do want to say you're a rare scenario of athlete that can feel really comfortable going to bed at night thinking I did what I could and it just didn't go my way. I would guess the majority of people are like, oh, if only I did one thing or oh, if only I did this differently. And so I think, you know, one of the questions we had is like, how do you handle looking back on the what ifs? And part of it is, is just, you can't change what's happened. All you can do, and this is one of the best things, pieces of advice I ever got from my mentor, Nicole Davis. She said, after you lose a game, you ask yourself, okay, what did I learn? Yeah. And then what can I do better? And then you move on. Yep. Yep. And the way I word, word that is you got to take stock of where you're at. To your point, if, and I say this humbly, and I, I don't mean to be on, a, on my, my, my high horse here, but if you are at the end of, the, of your athletic career and you're sitting there saying, dang, I got outworked. That guy outworked me. That guy invested more than me. That guy wanted it more than me. That guy did X, Y, Z. 
Like you can't change that. It's, it's very binary. You either have a decision to go one way or the next, take stock of that, learn from that and take that in the next chapter of your life and say, Hey, I'm not going to get outworked. Hey, I'm going to ask for help. Hey, I'm not going to have as big of an ego. Hey, I am going to do this. And once again, I don't say that to be Mr. High and Mighty here, but I say that just because I think that that to me is the number one piece of why I've been able to move forward with my athletic journey is I just don't feel like I had any stone unturned and it allows me to move forward with peace. And I just don't get me wrong. I'm still evaluating like, man, I could have done this or man, I should have been easier on myself here. And I shouldn't have been such a, like so intense all the time. And those lessons you, you move forward and you use in that next aspect of life, or you carry on to those around you and to, to better the, your inner circle and the people in your network. It's hard for me to hear you say that, I guess not for you, but because I think about how it impacts my life is I don't think I can look back at my volleyball career at USC and say as confidently as you that I did everything the best way I could at the time. Like, I mean, maybe I did considering I like to think I always do my best, but I always just think if I could go back knowing what I know now, if I could go back with positive mental health and if I could go back, like I could be such a better libero. I could have gotten so much better at this skill. Like I feel constantly like I wish I was back at USC and I could be better because I look back and I just know I never reached my potential. And people will say, oh yeah, but you accomplished this or but you did so good considering you were walk-on. And that's true, but you know, I just feel like I wasn't as good as I know I could have been. And that's tough for me. And so if you're not like Max and you. But, yeah. And, and even right there, like you're talking to a dude like who had high expectations, like I wasn't as good as I should have been. Yeah, 100%. but then how do you not have regrets? Because it's the investment. Like the success, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow never, ever happened to me. But I look back and said, did I do what it takes to have that pot of gold? And humbly, yes. Like. There isn't a quarterback at SC that can look me in the eye and say, like, right. But yeah. like any human, you can anyone can look back and say, well, if I transferred to a different school or well, if I did this, and you're saying that you look back and you made the best decision that you could at the time, which I think everyone needs to grant themselves forgiveness. Yeah. I I don't know. I didn't know what I know now. So for me to look back yeah. and say, oh, I wish I coulda, coulda, shoulda, woulda. I didn't know these things. I wasn't 23. I've grown so much from being 18. You know, if I, obviously if I could go be a freshman at USC, I would have done crazy better because I had known all the stuff I know now. So, you know, I think that's just a part of it. And yeah. And one last little point with that last one, like the lessons, it's not to say I haven't learned anything or I was Mr. Perfect. No, I learned 18 year old Max Brown was intense. Every, every practice was a game. And so that lesson, right. Hey, Max, maybe just chill out, dude. Like, like let, let's, let's be a little bit more like low key and give yourself a break and all that. Like, that's how I am now. Like, I, I like, I, I feel like, I mean, I had like a big interview today. I'm not like stressing out and like, this is the biggest thing ever. Like it's not, I'm going to take that lesson from 18 and at 25, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to give myself a break. I'm going to trust myself. We're going to go and you, and you move forward that way. Is that just to, just to kind of tie a bow on that point? Hey guys, it's me just jumping in real quick. I wanted to let you know about the hidden opponent nonprofit organization that I founded a year ago for student athlete mental health awareness. I'm guessing if you're listening to this episode, you are either a student athlete or, you know, athletes, or, you know, you love this community. So please check out the hidden opponent nonprofit organization by going to Instagram and typing in the hidden opponent. If you are a student athlete, you can also join our private Facebook group on Facebook. And you can also check out our website, thehiddenopponent.com. It's a community and a platform that empowers athletes to share their mental health stories. So I just wanted to put that out there and let you guys know that if you're feeling 
supported by this episode or seen it all that if you head to the Hidden Opponent community, we hope to do the same there every single day of the week. So once again, you can find the Hidden Opponent at thehiddenopponent.com or you can go to the Hidden Opponent on Instagram. Hi, I'm Pia Berengini, a creative director of LPA, an entrepreneur, a wife, and a dog mom based in Los Angeles. This is my new podcast, Everything is the Best, where we basically ask interesting people, how did you go from zero to yacht? I'm always curious how the hell people became successful, and I figured you would be too. Get on the internet with me. Let's laugh, let's cry, let's overshare, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Check out new episodes every Wednesday. It's all for you, baby. Thanks for listening. Love you, mean it. All right, back to the episode. I want to touch on this move forward terminology that you use. I previously, like five minutes ago, said the words move on. I want to correct myself because I love that you say move forward. Would you mind explaining why you are so keen on that terminology? I think it's important for athletes. Yeah, I have a few things uh, Vic knows this in in my life where little terms that even myself we use all the time that I just I don't think are very healthy mindsets to, to, to put ourselves in. And one is the difference between move on and move forward. I don't think move on is realistic, when, especially when you're talking about something that is so close to your heart and such a big part of your identity and your purpose. Like decades of sport. Exactly. Like I'm never moving on from my experiences in football. That is never, ever, ever happening. Like those are rooted deep in my heart, in my gut, in my fabric, how I'm wired, how I'm made. But I move forward with those lessons, with maybe those heartbreaks, with those shortcomings, with the great times, the high school memories, the best friends, all that stuff. You move forward with those lessons and you keep stacking, stacking those uh, experiences rather than move on. Sounds like, oh, I'm moving on from this like raggedy outfit or something like that. No, that's, that's not that's, that's not real. And I hate it because that's kind of the pressure, I think is put on athletes by, I don't even know who it's by. Is it by society? Is it by non-athletes? Is it by the stigma around like not living in your quote unquote glory days? I at least felt such pressure to quote unquote move on. Like Turn the page. Yeah, don't, the page. don't show up to the locker room. You can't wear your team gear anymore. I saw one of the questions was, how long can I keep wearing my team gear? Yeah, and like that, that actually made me laugh out yeah. loud. But, you know, I think this pressure that we're just supposed to be done, like, with your sport and you're never supposed to talk about it again and you're not, you can't be excited. Like I hate when people are like, oh, so-and-so. I mean, I think, okay, there's a fine line between, you know, being appropriate when it comes to, okay, something was eight years ago. Like we can talk about it, but it shouldn't be like a hundred percent of your conversation. But I do think that when athletes graduate from college it literally feels like two months later. I mean, you're out of the team group chat. You're not in the locker room anymore. You don't know the practice schedule. I mean, you go from like, if you are a second late, everyone is breathing down your neck to no one even cares where you are. Yeah. And that was really hard for me. Yeah, I, I totally level with that. For me, it was different just because like me leaving SC was weird. I remember like leaving all my gear on 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 the couch, like so that kind of that decision, I guess, was made for me a little bit in Pittsburgh. Like, I still have like the helmet in my room and whatnot, uh, but I guess I don't have that urge like most to walk out of my house mornings with like the USC hoodie. Like, well, that's because Trojans. you feel. And, but I, I, I love your you. The USC experience kind of burned you. Yeah, but but I still like work for USC. I'm prideful to go there. Right. I, I mention USC every day and in work and whatnot. That's something that I guess is a, is a luxury I have. I don't I don't have to to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Emotion as much. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. The next question is about 
motivation and staying on top of things when you no longer have a coach telling you what to do. You no longer have teammates holding you accountable. This has been tough for me. You're actually a huge reason I've been better at this. You've been helping me through it. You're so motivated. So I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah. And all my backups listening to this, if you're a backup quarterback, backup outside hitter or whatever, like you, you might be able to, to resonate with this, but the, when he says backup, just so you guys know, cause that's a football term. We never use that in volleyball, uh, but if you are like second string second or you're string. on the bench okay, or you're, yeah. you're next in line. Yeah. For me, we've all heard the, or us athletes have heard the lesson. Like you're not competing against opponent. You're competing against yourself. You're competing against yourself. A lot of people never have to face that reality because they're always in competition in a game, in a round, in a match, whatever. So they're never actually forced to compete there with themselves. For me, I sat the bench for three years, four years. So you have to find a way to compete and find a way. Like I never was playing in games. So I was competing against myself in practice. Can I complete 14 balls and then 15 balls? Can I beat the wind sprint time of this and this? So you're constantly competing against yourself. That was one of the biggest turning points in my athletic career from my redshirt freshman year to my redshirt sophomore year. As I said, hey, I'm driving myself crazy by trying to compete against Cody Kessler. I'm driving myself crazy by trying to compete against Max Wittick, the two guys that my, the quarterback competition. I said, I am making it a point that I'm competing against Max Brown yesterday every single day, which is the, as I say that the athletes have heard that lesson. Right. But I think oftentimes athletes aren't forced to face that until after their playing days. And so that's the analogy I use is we've all heard that before of like, you're competing against yourself. And that's really what it is. It's you're competing against your voice of doubt in your head. You're competing against whatever yesterday, Max Brown, Victoria Garrick was like, can you beat that person? Really? As you take a step back, all the successful people in our world are, that's who they're competing against, right? They're competing against themselves and their prior self and whether or not they can, can win. And that's just something I think you have to adjust to, but that's at least the mindset is instead of competing against the UCLA Bruins, it's I'm competing against Max Brown of yesterday is how I think about it. What about you, Vic? Yeah. And you're amazing that you can do that. That's been much more of a struggle for me. Two thoughts I have one. I mean, I loved competing with other people. I just loved trying to go longer, harder than other people, almost to a fault. Like it caused me anxiety freshman year to purposely try to go better than the girl in front of me. And it wasn't helpful ultimately. And as I grew in volleyball, I learned that, you know, it was more about, do I feel okay? Can I do better? It's a me thing. And if I get my stuff right, that's all that matters. But the one thing that's been really hard for me is to compete against myself. Like at least with the things I'm doing now, I mean, it's like, I'm not even being statted. There's no point system. There's no win, lose. There's no referee. It was one thing to quote unquote, compete against myself in volleyball when I was passing and I could look at the score and I could be like, you're better than this. Like, let's go. But when I wake up in the morning and I have content and I have emails, it's like, what am I supposed to do? Look at the number of emails I sent yesterday and try to send more. Like it's hard for me. And I think that's the beauty of failure. When failure happens in your life and you don't get it done, I don't win the quarterback competition at, at USC. I don't make the Washington Redskins team. That failure forces you to reevaluate how you, Max Brown, or me, Max Brown, like how did I do right there? And I think that sparks the competition with yourself versus like you've had a lot of success, right? And I feel like if there was something that like, like you had a failure, then that would fortunately like, no, like if you had, that's true. If you had shoulder surgery tomorrow and your shoulder failed for lack of a better term, we always talk about when you work out, 
Like, I think that would force Victoria Garrick, in my opinion, to take stock and be like, I have to put my shoulder in a better spot, like rehab it, work it out. Like that might be a weak example, but at least that, that, that train of thought. Yeah. I guess I hear what you're saying. And I think in a weird way, when you phrase it that way, I, I kind of have been doing that. Like, I don't know how I cranked out four TikToks a day all summer. I mean, the thought of it's hard for me to get two up a day right now, uh, just with everything I'm doing. I I don't know how I did four. So it's kind of like that, but it's really hard for people to find motivation, even if we diet down to a simple workout. Yeah. Like, how are people supposed to work out when there's no game, no yeah. practice, and no one who cares? Yeah. And I think that's a, important, too, is like, we, we talked about it before, like, take stock of where you're at. You took stock of where you're at, like, workout-wise, and you were like, Max, I need an accountability partner. Like, I need that competition. You know what, Max? Like, that in like motivation self thing doesn't connect with me like let's let's compete against each other and so like when that happens like and we've gone through phases of that like we do it together so you get that team and camaraderie what max is talking about is i could not work out by myself so i told him like can we work out together because if we go together i will actually do it but i still felt like i wasn't working out my best like i would it was just tough and another thing too that i struggled with is the difference in the style of workouts because when you're in college i mean speaking from experience we had Olympic lifting sets. We had physical trainers. We had all the equipment. We had these beautiful facilities. This is USC. They're going crazy. And now I have essentially nothing. I could get a gym membership or I could go outside. And for a long time, I just thought like, oh, you know, soul cycle, core power. That's nothing like what I do. Like I'm too good for a 30 minute class. And so I would pass up on all these things. I thought I was too good for it. And then I just wouldn't even be working out at all. So it would just be me in my own head. Like if it's not a three hour D1 workout, I don't want to do it. And then as a result, I wasn't doing anything. And then I had this epiphany of if I just go for a 30 minute body lift, or if I go on a 45 minute hike, that's good. And that can be good enough. And I think that switch is important for athletes is you don't have to be at this super top, you know, high in the country level anymore. You can just be doing normal and that's okay. Totally. Totally. Yeah. No, I, my workouts are nothing compared to the athletic, athletic days. And that's fine. Like, I think that's a big, another big thing we talk about all the time is like, don't pass judgment on yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going out there and doing uh EMOM every minute on the minute, like from a female Instagram influencer. <laughs> like I used to get like have five, 300 pound strength coaches ripped out of their mind, like getting on me. Like, <laughs> It'd be easy to judge myself. And like, that's fine, right? Like life phases change. I think maybe my tone of the past couple answers was like very intense, but the reality is like life changes. That's fine. Right now, like as a football player, I was supposed to be a certain weight and look a certain way. And now like I'm not, I'm 20 pounds lighter. I want to dive into the body image. And I think it's cool that you can speak to this too as a guy. You know, I struggled with my body totally changing. I'm not able to eat as much food because I'm not hungry for it. And it's just a really tough situation when you spend your whole life like used to this tone and this athletic build and this way you eat, you know, all the snacks you're having, all the big meals, the the carbs, the protein. And now it's just so different. And I think a big thing I've struggled with is I miss my muscle. I'm still yeah, muscular. Same, same. <laughs> I'm skinny, yo. I miss yeah. I miss my muscle. And it's funny because I used to hate my muscle. Then I grew to love it. And now I'm like, I'm still, I still look athletic, but I, miss I it too. you know, and and for you, I mean, I want to hear your thoughts because you're a guy and guys experience the same change in body image. 
Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of times like offensive linemen, guys over 300 pounds, and the second their, their sport ends, they drop to like 250 like that. Yeah, for me with football, like I had to keep a certain weight. Like the number that's in my head is like 227. Like that's what I was supposed to be, 227. And so as a result, like I would eat probably more than I needed to, but that was like always part of my life. That was always part of my teen and early adult life was gaining weight. Football, got to be able to take hits, got to be able to withstand 300 pound defensive linemen like laying on you. And so that mental thought process to change, be like, wait, I don't need an extra carb with lunch or whatever. Like that was certainly different. I miss, like I'm skinny now. I miss being in that, but it wasn't, for me, I feel cleaner, honestly, not being forced to uh, Not having to, to eat force that feed. And that yeah. was honestly, when I saw so many male athletes, so many of my friends, like having to forcefully eat these burritos and force, yeah. and they were, they were stuffed, but they had to do it. I mean, yeah. it just, it was hard to watch. Personal question. Do you feel less masculine? Because you were once super muscular and you're not anymore? I don't. And I guess for me, like I never really was the yoked guy or the muscular guy. So I, I just I just can't speak to that. I, I think my but body's this just summer changed. at Pittsburgh, you were Hulk. Yeah, I was big then. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you I guess just, to me, you, to me, it's just like matter of fact. Like I don't work out as much as I used to. I don't eat as much chicken and brown rice as I used to. Like, and that is this is what I did. This is what I got. This is what I don't do. This is what I don't have. Quick pause. I love how with guys or make Max, who, by the way, you guys just never had issues with food is just like, yeah, I mean, it was this. Now it's this. And I'm over here like advocating for probably the majority of athletes listening to this who have had like all these disordered eating issues going from what they were able to eat and what they're not able to eat. And, you know, obviously that's the ideal mindset. And I think obviously with my mindful eating, I, I tap like, into don't, that. Don't get me wrong. Like, I wish I was like that Pittsburgh, I was, I was, I was feeling good. I was young, yo. Like I was good, but I was, I was like a ton of work. So I guess it, it goes other ways. Like that's a huge investment. That like that's hard. It's hard getting under a squat rack all the time. Like that's something I don't like. I guess, I guess you miss in some regard. I, I don't know, but that's just kind of, that's kind of where I, where I net out with it. That's obviously a huge part of your platform now. How do you, how have you adjusted post post volleyball? Well, something that I tell a lot of people when I get asked this question is how the morning after volleyball ended for me, I went to put cream cheese on a bagel. And I, as I was lifting this bagel to my mouth, I had this pause 360 thought of, I don't have practice today. Can I eat yeah. this bagel? And it was such a change for me. And I think it's, I think, you know, with your sport, you were trying to gain weight with most female sports, all the trainers and coaches are trying to get them to lose weight. So then you get to a point where you're not going to be burning the calories and you're not going to be as in shape. So you wonder how food's going to affect you. And, you know, the best way I approached it was kind of the following steps. Number one, it was, okay, I totally understand why I'm having these thoughts right now. I've had a lot of issues with food. It makes perfect sense why this thought's in my mind about the bagel okay, we're going to, we're going to be compassionate here the same way we were a best friend. Cause I understand where this is coming from. No one's perfect with their thoughts Two, Okay. I'll be really compassionate with myself as I navigate this. I'm going to eat the bagel this morning. I'm going to go about my day and I'm going to see if I get hungry. And if I get hungry, then I'll decide what I want to eat and what's going to satisfy me. And I'm going to be patient because this is going to be a process and I'm not going to figure it out immediately. And it's not going to be perfect tomorrow. I'm going to be learning with myself. I'll be nice to my body as we both go through this change. And that's what I did. And of course, there's moments where I learn, huh, this doesn't feel good for me anymore. Or who, this is different. You know, I don't have as much of an appetite, which I hate. I love eating an entire burger and I love eating fries and I love having dessert. And then now I'll get 
much more full quicker. And I, you know, it's a bummer. And then the days I work out, I'm like ravenous and I'm so much more hungry. And so because I love eating, I like to work out so I can eat more because then I get my hunger. But, you know, as a mindful eater, I've just tried these things. You know, you have the compassion. I understand where this is coming from. I'm going to be the kindness, kind to myself and be patient as we figure this out. And I think that would be my advice to anyone who's struggling right now is just those three things. And treating yourself the way you would treat your best friend if she called you up or he called you up and said, hey, I'm struggling with this. You would say the same things. So say the same things to yourself. Love that. Love that. Any next question you itching to discuss? Yeah. One of my favorite questions from you guys was, how do you live without something you spent so much time on? I think that's a very powerful subject. You want to start that off or me? You go. I was just ranting. Okay. Okay. I love this because this is something that I struggle with or have struggled with, I guess you could say, in terms of I feel guilty that I don't love football the way the way I used to. I really like football now, but 5 to 21-year-old Max Brown absolutely loved football. I could watch film. I could sit all day, watch NFL games, all college games, highlights of old stuff. Like, I absolutely love football. Now, I just really like it. If it's on, great, but I don't have a desire to go break down like four hours of of film. That's just not how I am. And to me, there was part of me that felt guilty, like I'm not appreciative enough of of the game and what it gave me, or man, it's sad that that's not the case. That's another one that I struggle with is like, man, it's a bummer that, that, that I don't have that relationship with this great game that I used to. And I think for me, one of the biggest things is, once again, not passing judgment on yourself. Like, life changes. Things change. Your pri- priorities and chapters change in your life and not being, like, upset with your life in that regard. But I also think we've both done a solid job of finding something that satisfies that that niche for us to stay around the game, right? You produce content around that. You talk to, to volleyball clubs as well. For me, my broadcasting allows me to stay in the game, have a legit role in the game, but it's not my entire life. It's something that it used to be, but now it's just a piece of my life and it allows me to stay involved. And I think there's a lot of people that have their variations of it, whether they're, I mean, maybe not this crowd, but like coaching their kids or like being a mentorship or something like that. But I think that's super healthy of like finding a way to stay involved, but being understanding of yourself that, hey, your vibe of something that used to be your first true love for me, football, it's just, it changes and that's okay. And that's life. I totally agree. And I think it's great advice to find a way to stay part of the game if that's what matters to you. You know, everyone that go think about all the coaches you've ever had in your life. They all played the same sport as you and they loved it so much that they now spend their living coaching it. So, you know, there's ways to do that. Like you said, I still make videos about volleyball. I still meet and talk with volleyball players all the time. And so, you know, finding a way to keep it close to you, whether that's in once a year, you guys do a family backyard volleyball game, whatever it is. I think that's important. But secondly, I also wanted to say, you know, change is hard. Something you said is like, well, life changes. Obviously, I know, you know, it's hard. Something I have these weird nights about. Remember when I called you crying, like right before my merch came out, I had a terrible night. Yeah, I was just sometimes I lay in my bed and I think about I'm like, you really get emotional about this. I just think about like, I look back on my life and doesn't it always seem simpler? The past always seemed simpler, at least to me, even though it wasn't like USC was so difficult for me. But sometimes I think back on like when I was 15 or 16 and I think about, I had a good experience in high school. So I think about being on my high school friends and coming home from school and 
sometimes the things that seem simpler, we don't want to let go of. And it can be also really scary to enter into the unknown. And it can be scary to not know what's next in life. And you don't know that new thing that's going to occupy your time. Yeah. And what always helps me in this weird way, as I think about my mom, or at least my mom and dad is like, my mom, all I know her as is a mom. And I think she has this great life and she's with us all the time. And my mom had this whole yeah. life before I was even alive. Yeah. And I think that gives me hope of like, as I get older, I'm going to find things. I'm going to make new friends. I'm going to have fond, fond memories in my volleyball career that, like you said, we don't have to just turn off. Yeah. And, you know, just for anyone out there who kind of fears the unknown and doesn't like change in their life, I, I just, I hear, I feel you. Yeah. And little side story, like for me, even my relationship in the past three years of the game of football has changed. And in 2018, that was the first year I hadn't played. I was still trying to play, but I hadn't played. Like I had no itch to like watch Sunday NFL because it wasn't fun for me. It was like, man, I wish I was out there. I feel like I should be out there. Like it wasn't great. 2019, it gets a little bit easier, right? It's a little bit easier to watch those games, be involved in it, stay around it. But then now in 2020, like I look forward to NFL Sundays (laughs) Cause I've like accepted that, which is weird. Vic's sitting here right now. Like Max, how the heck could you do that? Vic hates watching football now. And it's, it gets back to the very first point is like, I'm at peace with it. But I guess that's the point I'm trying to make right now is like that. It changes. I have, gr- I have grown to become at peace with it. And it wasn't necessarily the case three years ago. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, I don't like watching football and it's true. And it's funny how it's, so a part of your life still and you're at peace with it and then me just as this mere bystander like has this vendetta for the game just because of your story and you know I think for the people out there who make me sound like a softy kind of like I like I don't care I don't think you're I don't think you're a softy I just think you're extremely mature I think most people who are probably in similar situations like they don't want to go into the stadium and watch the game. And you, I remember you did get a little heebie-jeebie going back. Why did I just say heebie-jeebie? heebie-jeebie. You did yeah. get a little weird when you had to go back to the USC stadium. I was for the first nervous. Time. I was anxious. It's, I was all that stuff. It's but a like, little spooky. You going yeah. back to the place that like did you wrong essentially. And there's so many athletes out there who I think do have those regrets and do feel like, I don't know, maybe they got burned by their sport or didn't end the way they wanted and they don't want to watch it. They don't want to be a part of it. And that's tough too. True. I would also test those people a little bit. And I bet a lot of that feeling is undertoned bitterness or resentment. And that's just not healthy. Well, that is not on that. And and you can speak to this is I think the undertone there is the game or something wronged me, did something to me. It's like you are. There's a slight victim narrative there. And something you do great is, you know, you don't ever play the victim. Because I remember when I got that August of last year, I got a call from USC. He said, hey, Max, you got an opportunity. Do you want to come broadcast for us for the radio? And at that point, like, I was anxious. My heart was going, like, gosh, I'm going to go back to the stadium. I have to interview, interview those coaches. Most people, like, weren't even thinking about it. Like, oh, it's a great opportunity, all that. But, like, for me, like, that hits close to the home. And I remember even, like, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. But to me, I feel like, no, I have to do that. I, I, I have to look, like, like, larger than just this one phase of life. Like, long term, I'm going to be so much more fulfilled if I don't play bitter resentment mode to USC and I embrace the the good that came with that and, and embrace this next next chapter of my life. But you did that extremely fast considering your timeline. And I just, 
I do want to push back that it's not realistic for most people. And it's funny. Every yeah. time I talk with Max, I always have to add a disclaimer. Like, disclaimer. And that's why I Let me finish my sentence. Disclaimer. Amazing human. Great thinker. Perspective. Optimistic. Like, sometimes even talking with you, I'm like, shit, I am. I can't do the things you do emotionally. Like, if, if I were you, I couldn't have done that. And I wouldn't have wanted to. So I just throw in that devil's advocate of people listening. Like, you can't do what Max is saying and muscle up the, you know, the the best mentality. That's okay. I'm sorry. I just had to say that. No, it is it is okay. I just, I feel obligated as someone who's like, oh, Max, how, how did you do it? Like, oh, Max, like they see the end result, right? They see that, hey, I'm, I am broadcasting at USC and having some things go my way. Oh, how'd you do it? I feel obligated to say, well, back in August of 2019, when I got a call from USC, it was not fun to be like, or it was not a, a, a slam dunk to be like, Yep, sign me up. I'm so excited. This is the best thing ever. Like there wasn't. It was like, gosh, man, this is. I'm gonna have to talk to some old coaches. This is gonna be awkward. Am I gonna have to wear a USC polo? I don't want to wear a USC polo. Gosh, this, but you fight through that. And then as a result, later in life, you thank yourself and be like, oh, of course it worked out. Well, it worked out because you make a made a tough decision back in the day. And I feel obligated to share that because I see it oftentimes with everyone. Right? You see the end result. And you don't realize the decisions along the way that ultimately uh, led to that led to that end result. Yeah. And I you know, that's an important point. And it's different for everyone. And once again, you guys, we said this in the beginning. We are just sharing pretty raw and honestly how we feel. And hopefully this can inspire you to think a certain way. And maybe some of you are disagreeing with us and it's helping you find your answer, you know, totally, which could be cool. Okay, we have a few more questions. Let me find some good ones. Ooh, this is a good one. How do you transfer the passion and intensity from your sport into your normal career? Max, I think you would be good at starting this one off because I have a career that I unconditionally love and you are still figuring that out, yet you're so passionate. So I think for those that are on similar paths as you, like they're lost or they don't love their career. I mean, what's the secret sauce, babe? (laughs) Secret sauce, I'm still trying to find it out. As we're taping this podcast, for more context, I'm 25. I quit my day job about six weeks ago. I'm trying to- Because he didn't like it. Because I didn't like it. Trying to make a career pivot, enter a new industry, doing some broadcast on the side as well, like networking, like trying to figure that out. So I do not have the best answer. But here's where I net out with it. If you are a passionate person and you are attacking your sport with fire and that competitive nature and that desire and all that, the second your sport ends, you don't just whittle away. And I made this same point in our last podcast. It's not like, all right, I'm attacking football. I'm getting up at 6 a.m. I'm staying late. I'm watching the film. I'm doing all this stuff. And then football ends and I just mold into the couch and never get up. And if you do that, fair, don't judge yourself, but take stock of where you're at and maybe where you went wrong and take steps to improve that. But I would push back that most of those people, it's just a matter of saying, realizing, hey, I'm in, I'm in one of those phases of life. Right now, I'm in a transition period of life. It's up to me to dig down deep, get gritty, and figure out what that next step is. It's not the most fun. It's, it's anxiety when you pick up the phone and have to call and say, hey, I'm Max. I don't know what I need to do. Can I get your advice? That's not like fun to do, but it's being wary that you're in that phase right now. And if you grind through that phase and you do what you need to do, there's better days ahead. And that competition, that fire, that passion, all those traits that made you successful at your support or made you passionate about your sport, you're dedicated to doing backhand serves in tennis. 
Well, that dedication is going to translate once you find that next pursuit, you're going to be able to have that same dedication to that craft. It's just a matter of tasting things, getting out there, not being afraid to change course, taking advantage of the years in your 20s where you can afford to do that. And as Cheryl Brown says, you don't have a mortgage and three kids, like being wary of that phase of life and how important every year is, um, is, 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 is kind of where my head's at. And I think people might be listening. So I, I'm getting hyped on that. I think that was great, babe. There probably are a few, <laughs> what? <laughs> Funny how you said that. Like, I'm getting hyped. I am getting hyped. I thought that was a great bit from you. There, I'm sure there are a few little negative now Nancy's listening who are thinking, well, but I don't have a thing I'm passionate about. So I don't want to do that stuff because I don't like what I'm doing. And so here's my answer to that person is, you might not like what you are doing right now said, as me, much me as too. you liked your sport. Wait, sorry, what? My answer, sorry, I cut you off. I said, me too. Like, to that person. Oh, yeah. You, I, don't, you, I don't like- You're already prematurely agreeing with me. You don't even know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm agreeing with that person. Sorry, oh. now I cut you off. I'm sorry. But like, me too. I don't like picking up and people saying, and saying, I don't know the answer to this. Can you help? Like, it's not like right. fun. And you I want to be like, yes, here's what I'm doing. I'm doing this, A, B, yeah. Sorry, right, and so, well, that's good. I think that's important that Max is in the same boat as maybe some people out there who are feeling a little bit down. Like, I don't know what that is. I mean, Max is interviewing for possible jobs in real estate, which part of him thinks is intriguing and part of him thinks he might like, but is it the same love that he had for football when he was 20? No, yeah. but I think the thing I was about to say finally is you will not know unless you try. So give 100% which is what you're doing. Give a hundred percent to the calling and the networking and the figuring it out. And then if you don't like it, let's try something else and give a hundred percent there. But if you half ass and you wait around for something to show up on a silver platter, it's just not going to happen. And sometimes I think we figure out what we want through doing things and realizing, you know, like, yeah, I feel like with the various platforms and things I've done, like as time went on, I developed a love or as you get higher in your career or further up the ladder, there's a different position or different role and you might really like something. And so I think just start small with, okay, what are some things I like? Do you like talking to people? Do you like being organized on a computer? Do you like going outside? Do you like being inside? I think spend a day and like write down what is appealing to you and think about what kind of jobs suit that. And then go a hundred percent in seeing if it's for you. And, you know, I think something that struck with me, as you said, we talk, we're talking about passion. The question is, you know, how do you transfer the passion instead of I am passionate about volleyball? It's cut off the end. I am passionate. And if you tell me to walk the dog, I will grab the leech and I will hype the dog up and I will run it down the block because I am, I am passionate. It doesn't just have to be about one thing. Yeah. And that's kind of what I think when I hear your points. Totally. And just to add on to that, like people want to help, right? I, that's one thing that I always like, w I was bad about when I was a, a player is I always felt like no one knows what I'm going through. And in some regard that that's actually <laughs> kind of true. But as a athlete who's transitioning to the next phase of life, like there are tons of athletes who have done that. And so if there are ones that you admire, pick up the phone and say, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. I don't know what to do. Can I get some advice? And if you do that at scale, you're going to pick up little bits of nuggets from every single person you admire. And then they're going to, they'll compound and you'll start learning things and you'll be like, Hey, like th this is what I'm thinking. This is what I like. I like that. He said this, Ooh, maybe I should check out that. Ooh, I'll take another call here. Literally. And for a lot of people, it's putting ego aside and saying, I don't know. Can you help me? And that's really that hard for literally, athletes. And people want to do that. And you, that's where I push back. But you got to be able to say, it says, Hey, Victoria, I don't know what to do. Can you help me out? 
and people want to help if you are good to them as well. The same way, hopefully, as an athlete, you were able to say, coach, I don't understand how to get my jump shot down. I don't understand this part of the game. Teach me. Or, hey, to your captain or your player, I don't get it. Explain. So I think another parallel here is these are things you've done before, and now there's a different context. And this is actually a great transition to our final question, which is a heavy hitter. And I'm going to relate these to you. I promise you guys. This question is, what has been the hardest thing you've overcome since leaving your sport? And I'll quickly share my answer. I'll give that you time. That one was on the list? Yeah. What the heck was that one? I'll give the very, the very last one. Oh, I know it's a heavy question. I can I can keep rolling with my answer while you get, while you think about it. Do you want to see that? What was the hardest thing you've overcome since leaving your sport? All right, so I was just saying to you guys that you can use what you've learned as an athlete to help you in these different areas, even though the context might be different, right? And the hardest thing for me since leaving sport has honestly been realizing that my mental health battles would manifest in different ways that I had to re-put the reps in again. So what I mean by that is after coming out of my depression, sophomore and junior year of college, like the lowest I've ever felt in my life, I thought nothing will be harder than this. I've done it. And people always said, you know, once you're done being a college athlete, life's going to be easy like this cake because nothing's as hard as being a college athlete. And I really thought that would be the truth. And then I got into the real world and I suddenly started to have these anxious thoughts come in and these depressive thoughts. And I didn't recognize them because they were almost like in disguise. It was like I spent so much time as an athlete and in therapy working on the thought of I'm not a good enough volleyball player. My coach doesn't think I'm good. My teammate doesn't like me. It was very related to sport. And I ended up handling that and getting to a good place with it. And then I suddenly got into the real world and I was having these new anxious thoughts of people aren't going to think I'm a good public speaker. So-and-so is not going to like working with me. And I didn't recognize it. And I started getting anxious. I started getting sad. And then one day in therapy with my therapist, she helped me realize like, you've had these thoughts before. How did you handle these thoughts the first time? And so I think by far the hardest thing for me has been realizing my mental health was always going to be a lifelong journey and that I was going to reap, have to put these reps in to, to conquer it. And knowing that I've done it before, I can do it again. And I'm stronger and I'm wiser this time. Okay. I will pass the torch to you. Did you think about your answer? I did. I did. I like that too. The hardest thing for me, I think high level gets back to the identity subject, like literally my entire life. Since I can remember five years old, I was Max Brown, the athlete, or Max Brown, the football player, or Max Brown, the quarterback, whether at Skyline High School or USC. And just navigating that post-football chapter is just tough in general and finding your way. I think to be a little bit more concrete, I don't know if this is like the hardest thing, but this is when this question came up, this is where my mind went, is for me personally, once again, this might net out with different people in a different way, is feeling like you're behind the eight ball in terms of your next step. Growing up, you kind of always set the standard, right? As the athlete at your school, right? Or as the, the kid picking the teams at recess or the, the kid making the AU basketball team or the kid being state player of the year in football. Like that was, you were kind of always like leading the charge in terms of aspirations, but then now, or accomplishments might be a better word, but then now I entered the workforce and got my first job at my 24th birthday. Like that's, that's late. Most people are working at 16 or 18. And so I'm trying to figure out this second chapter of life or this next chapter of life. 
and like I have friends making very good money and buying new cars because and on they've their, been planning for this exactly, all through college exactly. and like on their way to buying a house and they have their direction and I don't have that and I reminded myself like hey it's gonna long term game right we're not we're not playing to show everyone how cool of a car I can buy at 25. No, we're playing for fulfillment at 40, at 50, at 60, at 70. And then ultimately when your days are done at 80 and 90, can you look back and have a great life? Like that's what you're playing for. And so take steps in your twenties while you can afford to do that to, to ultimately get on that path. But anyways, it's feeling like you're like behind the eight ball a little bit in terms of uh, just the career pursuits. And I, I took a minimum wage job in New York, my first job. And that's like, is what you got to do. And you might be losing, like, and I'm doing air quotes as I say that, relative to your peers, but it's a long-term game. Right now, I just quit my job. Like, you're trying to find your way. I guess it's just that feeling that you're behind the eight ball as an athlete because you weren't able to do some of the opportunities your peers had. That's one of the hardest things. And I think it's just a reminder that everyone has their own race. Everyone has their own timing. Yes. Some people could be winning now and then they're not going to be winning when we're 30 and you're going to be winning when we're 30. So I just think we learn this in sports. Just pay attention to your lane. Do what you can do as an athlete and a swimmer. Like I'm thinking of that Michael Phelps, you know, winners focus on winning, losers focus on winners. Exactly. Just focus on your race. Yeah. And, and it's it, going to be Especially to the younger races. audience. Like not that life is about winning and losing in like the end game, but you can't win a game in the second quarter. Like people that are like doing great in their twenties. Like they might not be great later down the road, but if you work hard and you treat people right, that's a recipe for, uh, for a really fulfilling life. So I love that. That's your favorite saying, work hard and treat people right. Okay. Well, I'm amped. I don't know why I'm just imagining. I hope you guys are thinking this was as helpful as I'm thinking it was. Let's go real pod squad. We need a name for the real pod listeners. I just, I have to think of one, but if you're still there, hello, (laughs) if you're still there, last words of wisdom, last fire thoughts, like you are an athlete. And I think that makes you a person who is respectable, is a go-getter, who is determined, who has incredible qualities. It's not easy to face yourself from within every day of your life for years on end. And I think that just speaks volumes to what you can do in this life. And I hope you never doubt yourself. I hope you don't ever stop believing in yourself. And I hope you see the potential you have that is beyond sports more than an athlete. We hear that all the time. So fortunate to have the experiences, the good and the bad, because the bad, so many people don't ever go there with themselves of missing the game winning shot of getting yelled at at 6am by a strength coach of losing the game for your team. Like most people are never forced to truly face those elements. It's a thing of strength in the next phase of life. Athletics even though it might end and the shoes or the cleats are hung up, those lessons stick with you if you choose to have that mindset and, and use them in your life. And I, 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 love, uh, I love talking this subject. I know. Yeah, I really enjoyed this, babe. Thank you. I think this was great. Definitely not going to trash it and record it again. I liked this I one. hope not. I'm not going to. She says that. She might trash I it I says that. And then I call Max the next day like, can we record it again? No, I'm not going to. I actually love this one. Okay, Max. Well, thank you. You've officially been on my podcast three times. You are my most had guest. You're welcome, Victoria. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's time to go eat. We always, after we record, we always go eat dinner. So it's time yeah, to eat food. dinner. Let's go. If you enjoyed this episode today, please send it to a friend, send it to a teammate, send it to an old coach. Just send it to someone who you think could benefit from hearing this story today. And if you guys enjoyed the podcast so much so that you're willing to give it a rating and review it and subscribe, 
that would also mean so much to me. You can click and give it a rating of stars and you can write a little review on what you thought of the episode. And I would just really, really appreciate your support. If you would like to stay in touch with Max and I and keep up with what we're doing, you can follow us on social media. Max's Instagram is at Max Brown with an E at the end and mine is at Victoria Garrett. Thank you guys again for listening to RealPod. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at RealPod. I am here every single Wednesday bringing you awesome guests and authentic conversation and just real talk because this is RealPod. Thank you again for listening. And as always, keep it real. <laughs>